white people sit around and say in uh, in Guadalajara, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have, give it to a coyote, take us across the border, leave us in the desert. The country doesn't want us. We don't speak the language. Won't that be fun? On Fox is Janine Pirro talking about soft on crime consequences. I mean, what what does that even mean, right? Um, so there's an alternate universe on some uh, coverage. Freedom is back in style. Welcome to the revolution. Yeah, we're coming to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. Sean Hannity. The new Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. This is a special edition of The Sean Hannity Show. America trapped behind enemy lines. Day number 171. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, I have been just, like, screaming from the mountaintop. It is just so unacceptable that a country as powerful as the United States of America to have a president this incompetent. Here we are now. We've entered year three of this pandemic. And right after Christmas, nobody can find any tests, any place, anywhere. Or you got to wait eight days to get a COVID test. Um, They were presented a plan, according to Vanity Fair, the Biden administration, back in October, that they would be producing 730 some odd million tests available a month, October, November, December, knowing Hanukkah, that Christmas, New Year's, a lot of get togethers, predictable increase in in cases. And they rejected the plan. There's no excuse for that. And then they made the statement, well, we didn't see Omicron coming. You mean after Delta, you didn't think there'd be another variant? Well, let me warn everybody now in the White House, there's there's going to be the next variant. And apparently it's this new, le- more lethal variant of Omicron, which is, I think, one and a half times, according to the science as I'm reading it, uh, one and a half times more contagious. We don't know yet if it is more lethal and dangerous. We'll find out over time. But by the way, don't be fooled by all the reports. Well, it's not as bad as Delta. Omicron isn't um, because I know a lot of people that have died from Omicron. We're losing thousands, three thousand on average a day, every single day. That's from Omicron, and every, and yeah, sure, it's far less lethal or a little less lethal than Delta. People are still dying from it. Uh, then the next big mess up, screw up, has been: Well, why did we run out of monoclonal antibodies? How is that possible? Jen Psaki was asked this, and this, listen to this. Secondly, the FDA yesterday withdrew the EUA for some monoclonal antibody treatments because they don't work against Omicron. But Florida continues to push for the treatment for people in the state. What's your response to Governor Santos? And what's your message to the people of Florida? Well, let's just take a step back here just to realize how crazy this is a little bit. Um, We've approached uh, COVID treatments like filling a medicine cabinet. We're not relying on one type, one brand or treatment. We invested in and continue to buy a variety across monoclonal antibodies, pre-exposure prevention therapies and oral antivirals. We have provided 71,000 doses of antivirals to Florida, including 34,000 additional treatments that do work against Omicron just this last week. I'm sorry, about of a range of those treatments, I should say, to be clear. What the FDA is making clear is that 
these treatments, the ones that they are fighting over, that the governor is fighting over, do not work against Omicron, and they have side effects. That is what the scientists are saying. We have sent them 71,000 doses of treatments that are effective against Omicron and are effective also against Delta. Uh, and they are still advocating uh, for treatments that don't work. It, the, re- the reason that Governor DeSantis, now she's speaking spe- uh, specifically about Regeneron and Eli Lilly's monoclonal antibodies, is because once the federal government, once Joe finally discovered that they exist in his vaccine mandate speech, uh, the first time he ever mentioned monoclonal antibodies, um, you know, then he started buying them all up. Now, the favored monoclonal antibody of choice, it turns out to be GSK, Citrovimab, it's called. And why we have a shortage of that since it was authorized since, I believe, of May, um, there's no excuse for that either. And these antivirals that people like Dr. Oz have been telling us about. Anyway, Dr. Mehmet Oz is with us. Don't forget he's a candidate. I'm supporting him in his run for the nomination in the Senate in Pennsylvania. We'll get to that in a second here. How is it possible that they ran out? How? They don't understand how business works. And I'm going to emphasize this. If you've never worked in business, if you've never been an entrepreneur, if you've never faced mindless red tape that doesn't make the system uh, safer, just creates obstacles, and oftentimes only allows large companies who've got you know, hundreds of people focused on the paperwork to, to be able to ma- manage it, you're not going to get ideas that work and are useful. And in this case, we have huge companies who still weren't able to get it done. The Merck pill, you spoke about treatments. The Merck pill, which works to reduce the chance that you'll die from COVID if you get it, existed prior to the first virus case in America. And still, despite that, two years ago, we still don't have the pills in our pharmacy. It took the company at least a year of working around the U.S. government because the government wouldn't get behind it in any or allow the trials. They worked around the, the, the government, enrolled, listen carefully, two patients per day. That's it. Two people per day, millions of people have the virus. They were only able to get two people per day to be in the trial, showed huge benefit. The FDA finally, in a meandering way, no Operation Warp Speed, as you alluded to, says, oh, what the heck, go ahead and give pills to people to save their lives. Now, because the companies didn't know if the roulette of the FDA was going to give them permission, now they got to buy the machines, develop the pills, make the raw materials. Much of it doesn't exist in America. you got to go overseas sometimes. But again, antivirals, is that a hard thing to contemplate being effective? And I'm going to go back to something that you and I have talked about a lot, because you and I this past week even spent up late hours trying to find antibiotic cocktails. The mantra from Washington has been vaccine. You can meditate to it. The answer to every problem we have, Omicron hits our shores, boost the kids. That'll deal with it. Omicron's still raging around the country. I got news today. We're going to allow kids under five to get vaccinated. How is that going to deal with Omicron? Why can't you just give us treatments that doctors can use to to actually help people who uh, are still with the virus? Especially because vaccinated people, vaccinated people with boosters and even people with natural immunity, uh, they're even getting it twice in their case. They're they're transmitting the disease. So it's not a disease of the unvaccinated. And they just cling to this old, outdated, worn out science. Now, now that we know that everybody can get it vaccinated and boosted and natural immunity. The only logical answer is then therapeutics for whether you have a breakthrough case or you never got the vaccine. It doesn't matter. The idea is to save lives, isn't it? Well, think about your normal medical practice. And I got to say, the single biggest uh, har- 
amazing change in America over the, during COVID was we have completely eliminated the patient-doctor relationship. Doctors have said, you can't do anything. So doctors said, you know what? Don't come to my office if you've got a fever. Go to the ER. Don't talk to me about treatments because we don't have any. Uh, you know what? If you've got an issue, uh, I can't really play a role in that because there are government mandates and rules. You've got to deal with that with your employer or with the, you know, whatever closest clinic is near you. But we destroyed the doctor's role. Normally, we say, okay, I think your cholesterol is too high. Take this cholesterol pill. But guess what? If you call me and say, I'm having chest pressure, I think I'm having a heart attack, I say, come and see you quickly, and I treat the heart attack. In COVID, it's the opposite. Go home. If your lips turn blue, call the ER or just go to the ER. If you're lucky enough to get there, they'll give you whatever they have, which is basically steroids. We failed the American people, but we also silenced medicine. And by doing that, have created a massive risk about all the other things we're supposed to be able to do with our doctors. And we both got the crap kicked out of us in the beginning, and your line was perfect. that You you go to war with the army you have, not the army you wish you have. Now, Now there's been numerous studies that showed... HCQ, for example, when taken early, uh, does ha- mitigate some of the impact and effects of, of COVID. Now, the the therapeutic of choice is obviously monoclonal antibodies, and, and you're very high on these antivirals. I am not as up to speed on them as I am monoclonals, and I, I don't have anecdotes about it. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here and go to you. This is you at, I guess, you were at a town hall yesterday and uh, talking about Washington, D.C., doesn't understand the values of the American people. Those Americans, they built that shining city on a hill. They figured it out. And if they figured it out, we could get this straight, too. We could make democracy work for us. The threat to America is a threat to the planet. If we lose, democracy loses. And China and ChaiCom leadership there, G, they win. And totalitarian rule becomes what the world will start to experience because their economy will still work because they run it. Our economy works and is more vibrant and more creative and more innovative and more effective because we are a democracy, which brings me back to the fundamental reality of conservatism. Why is it Washington keeps getting it wrong? Do they not care? Right? No, I don't think that's it at all. Washington keeps getting it wrong because they have different values than you and me. They don't even understand our values. You know, that was a pretty powerful statement. It reminds me of Reagan saying government is the problem. Well, these barnstorming events we are doing, and uh, you know, they, we get hundreds of people to pack their way into a beer hall or pizza parlor or whatever public space there is. And I was going through the, across the state, and I still am, gathering folks just to get them in their anxiety. There's so much passion out there. People want change. They see it. They know it's possible. And when you get them into this room, it's like a big therapy session. It's almost like recreating my show, but on the move. And these wonderful human beings who've suffered in different ways, but all share the same common belief that America is not an irredeemably stained country that does not need to be broken down. And they don't trust people to rebuild it with their toxic ideology. And they're pushing back about the economy, which is an angering issue because it's done almost carelessly, throwing money at problems. They're really angry about schools, in part because of COVID mandates, but the masks and other examples when the government is doing things that just doesn't make sense, and they can see through it. They know that, that the, 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 the fake and false narratives that are being thrown at them are irrelevant. And in that little speech, I, and I do always include this, remind people that the real threat to America is China. Because they must destroy us. Otherwise, if they don't, there's no reason for them to exist. Who would want that government, totalitarian 
you know, oversight at every level if they can have our government and still have a good economy. I understand this weekend I had, I had heard about this, and I actually tweeted out at the Philly Inquirer because uh, they refused to call you doctor. Now, you did go to medical school, and you did an internship and a residency, and I think you've done and performed over 4,000 heart surgeries in the course of your medical career. Uh, I think you earned the right to be called doctor myself. Um, but there was apparently, I guess, somebody, one of the delegates at, at one of these events got sick and that you were able to help this person. How's that person doing? Doing well. Went home. Uh, and it was it's a scary moment. And everyone should know this, by the way, who's listening. When you find someone who's, in this case, he looked like he was seizing, was collapsing, falling over. Thankfully, the person next to him supported him until I got over because it, you often will fall and hurt yourself from the fall more than what caused the problem. Uh, quickly establish it's the ABCs. Make sure the airway's open. They're not choking. Make sure they're breathing. So you just look at the lungs or the nose flaring. And then C, make sure there's a pulse. In this case, he had a pulse. But he was clammy and uh, he was unconscious. So by keeping his airway clean, I put a piece of chocolate in the side of his mouth. And I, he turns out he's a diabetic. So I believe that was his issue. And, you know, thankfully, it all worked out. But it was funny when you tweeted that because there was a Philadelphia Inquirer reporter who commented on it. And you reminded him that he's not supposed to call me doctor. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with Dr. Oz. He is a candidate for the Republican Senate nomination in the great state of Pennsylvania. All right, we continue. Dr. Oz is with us. Of course, he's running for to be the U.S. the Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Here's the question I'm asked most often, and and I, I've told you privately. I've told uh, others on the air. Uh, there are other good people running for office. I don't know them. We have had a relationship going back years now. And I when when I first supported Donald Trump, and I said to people, I said, I'm telling you, he will govern as a conservative because I know him. And I could understand some people very critical. I mean, I was routinely beaten up by by prominent conservatives because I said it. Uh, and a bunch of Johnny come lately's now want to act like they're the biggest Trump supporters in the world, which I'm fine with. I didn't mind at all because I knew the person. Um, I know where your values are because we have talked about every issue. Um, why don't you just take a, a couple of minutes here and describe your political philosophy? And we, you know, because we spent all these hours on the phone, I got to know you really well. And, and that's why I, I enthusiastically support your candidacy. Well, thank you for that. And for all the leadership you've shown in many areas. And uh, the comparison that President Trump has been brought up a lot, these barnstorming events are a good example. They're a fraction, of course, what he would attract, but it's it's helpful to know that there's a lot of energy out there and people actually gravitate towards you. They want to hear how you express because you, they want a bold, powerful voice to share the wisdom they think they have. And here's the deal. Conservatism to me fundamentally was about evolving fully formed people, people, you know, people who have thought about it, who have a strong moral foundation so they can be civic leaders and build our communities and make our country stronger. And when you have a victim mindset, which is what the liberal part of the Democratic Party is saying, the, the progressive part, everything is about victims. Therefore, if you're not a victim, you're an oppressor. So they tell the victims, not your fault, don't worry about it, we'll throw money at the problem. And that doesn't work because it makes people miserable. Nobody wants to be a victim. People want to control their future. At the same time, you tell people who are the quote-unquote oppressors, even if it's nothing to do with them, that they're bad people who need to be penalized, need to be brought back down, they need to be educated, you know, 
verbiage that comes back to, you know, reminds us all of the communist edicts of 100 years ago. And so you're thinking, my goodness, can history repeat itself? And I'm arguing that some of the greatest movements in the communist culture have happened because smart people didn't do anything about it. They watched it happen right in front of them. And I've had this lesson reminded to me over and over again. America is based on a piece of paper, 250 years old, piece of parchment that's fragile. And the veneer of civilization is thin. You and I have both been in scenarios where it cracks. We have to protect the, the beautiful city, city on, the, on the hill that I described in my speech, because if we don't, shame on us. We have the ability. We know the knowledge. Everyone is forewarned. We have to say what we see and stop being coward. Reagan said freedom is but one generation away from extinction. Well said. Um, we'll have you on uh, more often uh, throughout the campaign. We're watching it closely. Dr. Oz, thank you, as always, for your time and your expertise. We appreciate it. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. Every day to remember the forgotten man. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. We brought it up earlier, the the dual controversies, I guess, now, as it relates to Joe Rogan and, and Whoopi Goldberg and the comments that she made. Uh, I, I, I'm looking at you and you were the whole first hour as I'm talking about this. You're like chomping at the bit, dying to get into this. What I don't like is Joe Joe Rogan apologizes and pledging more balance on his podcast and Spotify because what, you know, aging old hippie, you know, rocking in the free world, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, um, you know, pulled their music from Spotify because they don't like what Joe Rogan said. Now, if we're going to talk about. Joe Rogan, what, what is what was the main criticisms of Rogan? All right, Rogan. And I don't know why every famous person does this. They, you know, he admits, I got COVID. OK, then he talks about we threw everything we had at it. And by that, I he gave details, monoclonal antibodies, HCQ, ivermectin. I've, I've yet to see a study on ivermectin, so I don't know anything about it. I know Merck does not recommend off-label use of it, but I it's it's not one I've seen a study on. Um, monoclonals, I can go into detail. Now that these antivirals are out, I'm learning more every day, but I'm not an expert on them yet. But I only hear good things, and it's universal from every doctor I talk to. And I don't know if Rogan really believes, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time understanding the fact that Fauci and the CDC and the NIH and, and Joe Biden, the very people that said, oh, you get vaccinated, you'll never get COVID. And I think, you know, he said, I'm not trying to promote misinformation. I'm not trying to be controversial. I mean, his show is like sitting at a bar and having a conversation. And and you know what? When you're sitting at a bar, he's not claiming to be an expert. And I just cannot believe that we're at this point where he felt the need to apologize. Because the problem is, and I don't know if you saw this, Linda, but they've already started. There was an article out just one day after pledging to make his his show more accurate joe rogan shared a false story claiming that the anti-parasitic drug ivermectin was found to be effective against against covid in stage three clinical trials it turns out that they didn't read the full report okay sounds like an honest mistake to me 
And I don't think he understands the world we have lived in now for 33 years and 26 years on Fox. And, Joe, no apologies ever going to go over well. All they're going to do is demand more and more and more and more and more apologies because they don't believe in freedom of speech. My answer to your decision on how you treated a positive COVID test, which is to throw everything they got at it, and you made that decision, you said, with your doctor and included monoclonal antibodies, which I believe is by far the best therapeutic out there. Okay, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on... I'm just glad he's better. I'm glad he didn't become a statistic like so many other Americans. I'm glad he, he's well. Why can't we just be happy for that? And the idea that he's interviewing, for example, Dr. Robert Malone, who was critical in creating the technology that allowed for the creation of mRNA vaccines um, and critical of that he has a different view. He thinks they're being overused. He thinks it should be for people 65 and older, people obese with comorbidities. He has a he, he has a much more stringent range and he even said, I don't think the technology is quite perfected yet. So that's one story. And then Whoopi Goldberg and the comment that she made on the view that the Holocaust is not about race. And she seems to be forgiven. And Rogan, they just won't take his, their people won't take their foot off his neck. I know Whoopi Goldberg, and I know uh, I can see you looking at me with daggers. I'm telling you, I, I I guarantee you, she wasn't thinking about the you know superior race aspect to the Holocaust, um, or or having a deep deep knowledge and understanding of how six million people were slaughtered because they were Jewish. That is a historical fact. I talk specifically um, about the horrors of the Holocaust and the human evil and man's inhumanity to man, which she mentioned. Um, and, you know, and then I take the position, you know what? She apologized. Move on. I accept her apology that she wasn't trying. She was she definitely was inarticulate, maybe lacking some knowledge. And I, I don't it's not like I go to the view. To, anybody would go to the view to get hard hitting, you know, historical knowledge, in my opinion. You just have a you know group of people chatting all day, kind of like what Rogan does. He has long, drawn out interviews with people um, and he does a good job at it. What? Go ahead. I could say, uh, you, you know, listen, go you, ahead. you and, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg have been friends for a long time. Um, no, we're not in, friends. I haven't talked to her in years, no, no, but no. I have you found were, her to be a were, nice though. person. I mean, in, in the time that I have been here, you know, the Christmas gifts were exchanged. Baskets were sent. Um, you guys have a friendship. And I think that you have always been somebody who, you know, from, whether it's Bill Maher, whether it's Colbert, you know, whoever it is, you believe in people having the ability to speak their mind and say what they want. And, and I hear you. She apologized. I think where I have a little bit of static with this and I find the uh, one-sided hypocritical point of view very disturbing is that if it was somebody on the other side of the argument who said something that she didn't like, and it's happened many times on The View, I mean, she loses her mind. Her and Joy Behar, they just scream down the other side. And I think that is the thing that irritates me the most right now about discussion on pretty much any topic, right? So I'll, I, like me personally, I love the debate. I love argue. I, I, I would love for you to change my mind on something that I've made it up on, right? 
But most of the time, when you're talking to somebody who doesn't agree with you, specifically with people on the left, and Whoopi is a perfect example, they shout you down, they call you names, they ju- they're right, you're wrong, and that's all there is to it. There's no so more difference hor- of opinion. They say horrible things about me on the show. I just it's don't disgusting. care. It's disgusting. Right, but it's disgusting. That, that's irrelevant. No, it's not. But, uh, it, what, but no, it's what, not. It's very but relevant. But the difference between this show, and you agree with me on this, we don't ever call for firings. We believe in second chances. Nobody's freaking perfect. Well, and, and you're also talking for four hours a day. At some point when you sit... You're going to screw every, up. You're going to yeah. screw up. You're going to say something you didn't mean, or you're going to speak out of turn, or you're going to misquote a story. or you know, I mean, how many times has CNN gotten it wrong and said nothing or put the correction at the bottom of the page? You know, Joe Rogan sees something. He talks about it. Maybe he did his show before that story came out. Maybe it was pre-recorded, and then they aired it at a different time. I mean, who the heck knows? But they can't wait to jump on him because he didn't capitulate and he didn't say, I agree with everything that the woke left is saying. And so Whoopi, who is a part of that woke left and who is a part of that whole system now of canceling everybody and the whole bully mentality. If you don't agree with me, we're going to shut you up. We're going to go after your advertisers. We're going to go after your show. We're going to make sure you never work again. Why? See, and Howard Stern, I, I mean, look at this guy. I think this probably guy. came from, and I, I, and I know Rogan has spoken very highly of his partners at Spotify and that he really likes them. And I think he recognized that maybe because of the controversy, and I'm, I'm guessing here, uh, just knowing the internal workings of how people deal with controversies, and my guess is that he probably, out of respect for his partners, wanted to kind of give them a lifeline and and get them out of this before, say, Taylor Swift or, you know, a real artist of, of significant value to the company decided to follow suit with these other people. Now, what I don't understand, too, and I brought this up earlier, I thought, you know, we're talking about mu- musicians. Aren't they also artists? Artists? Aren't they? You know, what happened to the idea that art is supposed to be original? And the idea that we don't have to all think the same. This drives me insane. Nobody's forcing anybody to watch the Joe Rogan experience. I I actually think he's talented. He's a good interviewer. He's a curious guy. He loves long-form interviews. I don't love long-form interviews. That's my particular style. But but he's doing great with what he's got the view is what the view is i'm not going to watch the view if something happens can i just gently disagree with you for a minute because i love what you're saying and and you're very switzerland and that's lovely it's wonderful my problem is at what point do we all stand up and say go ahead leave sayonara have a great day because we're not here for your threats and your cancel culture. Companies well, have I'm, to that, start standing up. But I'm saying up. the same thing. I am no, saying you're saying Joe a, Rogan gave him a lifeline so that no, other I, people. No, could, I said he gave Spotify a lifeline. Right. I said, but but in but in doing so, he is now going to be called upon to apologize again and again and again. What Joe Rogan may not know, and I'm, I believe this with all my heart, Joe Rogan's fans. If he decided, let's say Spotify just says, you know what, we can't do this. He can take, they'll pay him out with his contract, which happens a lot in this business. And he can start his own podcast and get or get another partner that can, you know, that's willing to take on freedom of speech and controversy. And he's not going to lose people that like Joe Rogan's podcast. 
Agreed. He'd be able to start anywhere he wants, run his own show, and tell everybody that they can go blank the Adam Schiff themselves. How's that? Exactly right. And that's where we're at right now. We're at a place in our culture. We're at a place in society where you can no longer have a conversation. Like you and I are having a conversation every day, right? And there's plenty of things we agree yeah, on. And, and I have to beep a lot you more out, we don't. bleep out half of what you say. The audience and you're welcome. Know. I'm just keeping it colorful. You know, as you said before, sometimes <laughs> I go into my artist mode and I have a little bit more expression mm-hmm. that I want to, you know. Oh, is that what we're going to call this now? I'm going to call your pastor back, who is a great guy. <laughs> I finally got to talk to him. Pastor and Tim, yeah. I'm going to. Oh my gosh! The poor Wait, can man. I tell you? Can I tell you something funny? So he did what? a sermon on Sunday. It was very interesting from the Book of Daniel, and it was all about accepting people and having conversation and loving people that are quote unquote in the Bible your enemy. And he goes, "What I mean by that is when you pull up behind somebody and they have a Biden Harris sticker on the bumper of their car, or they have a MAGA hat and they're wearing it in their car, or you're in the grocery store and they're wearing a Let's Go Brandon T-shirt." Can you still be okay with that person? He goes, because I know lots of families and friends that don't talk anymore because they can't accept one another for their belief system. And as far as I'm concerned, it's far more on the left than it is on the right. And I laughed and we talked about it after. And I said, you know, you talk about people wearing those Let's Go Brandon, um, those Joe Biden hats. I said, I've never seen anybody with a Joe Biden hat on. I've seen MAGA. I've seen Let's Go Brandon. I've never seen a Joe Biden T-shirt. Or a I, Joe got a, Biden I got a Let's Go Brandon T-shirt. Clay, Clay sent it to me. It's amazing. I mean, to, but seriously, there's nobody. Yeah, I'm not getting mad at anybody for wearing way, those because they're not wearing what it meant is even funnier. Oh, my God. It's listen. At the end of the day, him and his wife sitting there at Christmas time, not having a clue. That guy didn't know where he was. That doesn't mean that the last 47 years of his legislative life is not pathetic and evil and that Ford number 48 is any better. But I do think he's a little bit out to lunch here and there and doesn't have a clue what day it is. But putting that all aside, I got to be honest. I was one of those people in church on Sunday saying, I don't know if I can do that anymore. You know, I would just rather not talk to you. This might be a difference. I don't have a problem with liberals. I don't I don't have a problem with people that hate me. Now, I can walk in um, an establishment, a room anywhere, especially in New York, and I can literally spot in somebody's face almost immediately if they hate my guts. And, and they're triggered by the very sight of me. I can see it. Um, similarly, I can see people that also, you know, are probably like the shows. I'm very grateful to them because they they let me do this every day. And but you can spot it. It's so obvious. Once you get an eye for it, it's not hard. And I don't care that they hate me. That's their problem. I don't hate them. Right. You but know, the issue is, Sean, is that this our whole story, side. Jesus, forgive them, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let's put it that way. Okay, yeah, but I do think they know what they're doing, and I think that's where the problem is. And to come full circle to Whoopi, I don't really think that she was saying what she said. I don't think it came from a malicious or nefarious place. I don't. Th- oh, there's a lot of people who don't understand that you know race and religion are synonymous to p- certain people of the Jewish faith, specifically when we're talking about the Holocaust, because Adolf Hitler called it an inferior race. So it's a completely different conversation. But clearly, she didn't know that. And I'm not saying that that came from that place or not. All I'm saying is that that same luxury of forgiveness would not be given to our side of the aisle. And I think that's all I'm looking for is a little bit of equity across the board. If we're going to say people can say what they want, they can be forgiven, we can keep it moving, then let's make sure we're doing that on both sides. Um, very, Not very well said. I mean, and very diplomatic for you. By the way, did you ever tell Pastor, what's his name again? Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim, um, that you want to be part of the church band? I don't want to be part of the church band. Why don't? But but I want have you. Amazing to, people I in the want you band. to try it, and I think that you should. To I think you'd be great at it. Maybe we'll see. 
I, why don't you just give it one one shot? I got I'll I gotta you, get I'll closer to God and, and learn to love like love my liberal neighbor first. You know, I'm still working on that. <laughs> working well, on my no, love of liberal neighbors. There's no, there's not going to be a lot of hope for the love your liberal neighbor <laughs> thing. I don't, I, I just don't see it. Uh, anyway, eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. Uh, when we come back, by the way, Jim Gray uh, talked to Tom Brady, announced his retirement. He'll tell us what the conversation went like. hours a day is all we ask on the Sean Hannity Show.